0: You're listening to Speak, where storytelling and poetry meet the wonder and magic of living. I'm your captain, author, poet, and unearther of life, Maverick Malone. What is a heart but a house continually building rooms, offering endless refuge for the unloved? Love, I am leaving, and little is known about what's next despite how many times I've asked myself that very question. So much that by now the sentences feel lighter, heaven-sent, brighter. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to know. And we have to be okay with the not being okay and with the not knowing. Let the key turn in the lock for the last time. Lay down your grief. Sit on my porch. Come swing with me. Love, I'm leaving and even these feelings seem like too much to pack into boxes and bins because you can't bubble wrap the pain enough to make it go away. You can only keep dreaming and dancing on pointed feet through every season like the tiny dancer that you are despite quitting, despite starving, despite splitting yourself in two that turns you to a little girl lost in winter's famine and spring's thawing frost. The thing about healing is how much we have to keep going back to gather ourselves. Again and again we go, you are relentless, you know that? Somehow, we managed to pull all of the pieces back together. I think you see that by now. I think you know how often you and I have crossed paths and done this dance and how much you've been trying to make the walls last, but some cracks are lightning. There is too much split, too little repair. This is when we must lighten the load. I think you know what stays and what goes. An old life here in this house and how both of us will keep adding stars and jewels and making each of us our own. We believe in both. The rain and the shine, the pain and the smile the heart and the home. Neither can exist without the other. The other day, something washed up on the beach and it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. It was a letter you wrote me years before I ever got here. It was a prayer. It was a wish. It was a song about how much you wanted all of this and look at what you have done, at who we have become. Love, that is magic enough. Love, I am leaving and packing up now, but I wanted to write you back to tell you how I am proud To thank you for the whys, for the hows, for the crying, for the carrying, for the heavy lifting, for being Atlas, Orpheus, Persephone. Love, I am leaving, and believe me, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Love, I am leaving, and I am taking these pieces with me. I will make them beautiful again with your help. With that thing you do, with the hope, and the healing, and the painting, and the writing, and the fire. Yes, of course, the fire. Love, I am leaving, but I will tell you this. Even when it feels like an ember, it never goes out. Worry not what comes next and rest now, knowing I'll still stop by for a visit once in a while, and I expect the same from you. Let us not be strangers. Neither of us are broken windows any longer. Your walls are sturdy, your foundations strong, but love, a home is not a place. It has always been the heart where you belong. Welcome back. Or rather, I should say thanks for even coming back because I've been on an unintentional hiatus. Ever since my last episode, I've been in the process of moving and I don't just mean homes. Much like everything else in my life, I mean it as a metaphor. This is the first episode I'm recording since moving into my new house, and it makes sense that I would choose this topic as the first one post hiatus. And I'm just going to verbally journal here and let this be whatever it becomes. There's no formal agenda for today's episode other than just discussing what the past few weeks have been like for me, and sometimes it's going to be like that. I've been feeling weird lately, pretty far out of alignment, off my game, off my routine, not eating like I should, I say as I'm literally sitting here eating an entire white chocolate scone, I told myself I'd save half of, and drinking coffee at 4 p.m., not making time for the things that keep me grounded, etc., and for a while my whole spiritual practice went to the wayside. I felt like maybe part of me had lost that strong, loving connection and become a little cloudy on finding God in all the places I used to experience it. In the petals of a flower, in the song of a bird, in the rain outside my window. I'm getting back on track now, but this place where I'm at in my life now at 35 is certainly strange. But I realize it's because I'm in yet another transitional state. At times, I feel like I'm a blank canvas or an empty page waiting for whatever comes next to fill that space. I thought about this the other day at work as I was refilling my water bottle, which is more like a jug than anything, and I was watching how the water was rising and making bubbles from along the stainless steel interior. It was this beautiful arrangement of dots in varying sizes all around the inside, and I thought about what they looked like. Stars almost and how the many versions of us are like those stars shooting through space and the bubbles in the water, none of it is fixed. Like us, they move and change, and they exist exactly how they are for only a moment in time. Who I am today is not who I will be tomorrow or this fall or next year. I think a part of me is grieving everything that came before. As I stand here in my strange... In this space that finds me moving out of one house, finally energetically moving on from one life, the one I've lived since 2016 and finally getting my wings and quite literally jumping from the nest. I'm now moved into my new home, albeit despite having boxes everywhere, but it's one that I picked out on my own and also one that will only know who I am today and forward as only Maverick Malone. The house I just moved out of has seen so many versions of me. It's seen two completely different legal names. It's seen married me and it's seen single me. There was a lot tied up for me there that I was more than ready to let go of. And as such, I can see where I've been. I can see where I'm going. But all the middle pieces are still kind of foggy. That's the part we have to surrender to. The hows and what comes next and the letters between A and Z before we reach those higher expressions of self. I think I felt weird because I'm seeing myself as this blank page. I'm not who I was last summer, physically I am not, mentally I am not. I don't feel like that version anymore and I loved who that was. I still have so many aspects of that version but in a sense, I was grieving again of letting go of that part of my journey, that initial novel and new self-discovery phase The one that the first house, that stability, that constant saw me through. And it's scary to think about what I'm opening myself up to by moving into this brand new house and a brand new chapter. It's just another level of trust. Am I making a sound investment? Was this new new house the right decision, especially after what just happened on day two of moving in that I'll get to in a few minutes? You know that phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway? When we do something we have never done before, It's always going to carry some level of fear, but we have to learn to recognize the good fear from the bad fear, a welcome kind of fear, because some fear can be helpful. I mean, worrying 24-7 that you're going to step out in the middle of the street and randomly get hit Regina George style by a bus, not helpful. But being anxious about getting on stage to sing, leaving the relationship you know is wrong for you, or pressing submit on that manuscript submission, helpful. The fact that it's there at all before you do something new and intimidating is probably because it's something you need to do, because it's going to push you way out of your comfort zone, and it's only scary because it's new. The only way to get better at something is practice, right? So we have to keep facing our fears and doing the hard things, and that will always build resilience and bring subsequent growth. So here we go. My experience with moving has been a whirlwind of emotions a cyclone, a charybdis, and I'd love to hear from you guys that have gone through big significant moves like this, especially post-divorce or breakup, or some other massive life change, if any of this resonates. But for me, it's been, well, a mess. A welcome to the greatest shit show on earth kind of moniker. Quick backstory here. When I divorced, I got the house, knowing I'd stick it out for a while and when the time was right, I'd sell. But I never gave it that much thought about how much work it would be to simultaneously buy and sell a house at the same time and move all by myself. So, packing everything, coordinating the whole three ring circus of negotiations and repairs, jumping through hoop after hoop in the process of actually procuring a new physical space, especially in this market with these kinds of interest rates. And when you're moving on from a significant part of your life out of the house, you made a home and you're really really stepping out of your comfort zone and on your own, it can be anxiety and stress-inducing. For me, it was an emotional roller coaster. So if you're selling, be prepared to feel 30 emotions potentially all in a single day. Let me explain. Back in May, I listed my house for sale, and the next day, I got a bite. I had an offer over asking, but those buyers got cold feet and pretty soon backed out, so I was back to square one after already letting myself get excited. we listed the house again and had showings for a couple of weeks and that process is also stressful and annoying because I was actively still living in the house as it was being shown. So having random people traipse through my house and probably touching my things was a bit unnerving. Plus the inconvenience of having to vacate the space when people wanted to come check it out. I had to keep things neat and tidy and basically put away anything that felt like me. So for weeks I felt like a blank space where no, Taylor did not write my name because I had to keep anything personal hidden away. It pained me a little bit to wipe my lipstick affirmations off the mirror, paint over the poetry and doodles on my kitchen wall, place my photos into a box and leave everything kind of neutral and blah. So for weeks, I felt like part of me was just missing because I didn't see myself reflected in that house in my space during that time. Eventually, I got another offer, and after some back and forth with the buyer, we came to an agreement. Things were moving along, but I was trying not to get too excited because I couldn't close on my new house until I'd sold my own, and I didn't want to get my hopes up too much in case things didn't work out and I lost the house I was in the process of actively buying. Then we entered the next phase with the buyers of hurry up and wait, the repairs. There were some snags here and there, and after telling them they better not come back with a laundry list of items because I'd already come down so much on price, they came back with, surprise, surprise, a laundry list of items, and asked for more money off the top. I declined because, honestly, at that point, I'd been pushed too much, and I was not going to just give my house away. And honestly, they kind of pissed me off, so I walked. You guys, if you're selling a house, stick to your guns. Ultimately, I was exhausted and wondering if this was ever going to happen. As fate would have it, this was, of course, the right decision because another buyer came along a few days later offering me more money than the first and had way less contingencies. I accepted and we moved through the repair phase pretty quickly, but closing got pushed back a bit. When we finally nailed down an official closing date, I literally had one week to pack my shit and be ready, one week to get rid of whatever I needed to get rid of, one week to find a moving company, one week to wrap everything up. But I was still skeptical. And until I was at that closing table, I didn't want to count my chickens again. But I at least had to have them all packed and ready to go just in case. I ended up spending a weekend packing my things and I got rid of so much. And This is the one thing I'll say if you're planning to move. Get rid of as much as you can if you're willing to part with stuff. It's so true that you don't realize how many things you have until you move. I found things in closets and drawers I didn't even know I still had. But as I was packing, I purged so much and it felt good. The more I let go of, the lighter I felt. Also, hey, less stuff to bring to the new place. I moved to a smaller house and I knew I wouldn't have space for all the things I'd accumulated over the past seven years in that house. And I wanted to be sure I left room for new things. And the cool part about this with awareness and being so conscious is that this is just a reflection of our internal experience. I had spent the last year healing, letting go, releasing. I had made so much space within that now it was just manifesting outwardly. We can't be given something new until we've let go of the old. There's nowhere to put it. That's not to say you need to sell or get rid of all of your belongings, but do you really need to keep that box of photos of you and your ex or every little thing he ever gave you? Or that birthday card your mother sent you when you were 18? Or the 15th shirt you bought from yet another shopping spree in which you were deflecting your feelings? No, you don't. And it's going to feel really good when you let it go. Moving homes is such a life-changing experience. It really is. You don't realize the extent to which it will affect you until you jump into it. Every roadblock, every snag, every next step brought a lesson. For me, anyway. All in all, it was a fairly short process of buying and selling in the span of about two-ish months from start to finish, but I am an entirely new person now, arriving at the end of that process and the beginning of a brand new life in a new house that is wholly my own. I'd never actually lived on my own before. After I went away to college, I always had roommates. For years, I cycled through friends as roomies, and boy do I have stories about that, especially about the one I found on Craigslist which probably wasn't the best way to source for potential roommates. But even my ex back then moved in with me before I was ready, out of necessity. Up until the separation and my eventual divorce, I'd never experienced that kind of freedom and independence of having 100% my own space. I was way too codependent and had so many lessons to learn back then before I got to that point. But even so, the old house was one we bought together. It had memories. It had not just my energy, but his. Even after he left, it didn't feel like mine. It felt borrowed. It felt like a holding pattern. It felt like an ellipses that didn't have a foreseeable end until I felt I was ready to jump from the nest. I think living on your own, no roomies, nobody, just you, is something everyone should experience at some point in their life. You learn so much about yourself, and it gives you this priceless sense of freedom and independence. And it can be incredibly scary, but because I'd already had over a year of that under my belt, I was ready to take that next step of buying my own place and letting go of everything that came before. The night before closing, after my entire house, my entire life, was in boxes, and I was sitting in my big egg chair in my empty living room, I was contemplating all of it. The last seven years in that space, the last seven years as part of the prior 14 of a life I thought I wanted. I was having a lot of feelings and I had been grieving and crying off and on, processing for weeks up until that point. Not the marriage, I was way past that, but that version of myself. I was so grateful for what that house offered me during such a transitional and difficult time in my life. Stability, comfort, security. It was the house I healed in. It was the house that saw me through pregnancy, through postpartum depression, through my own eventual tower moment, a spiritual awakening, through a divorce, through my eventual personal Phoenix rising. It was the house and the version of me that delivered me here to this very moment, recording a podcast about this entire experience. It was the part of my life that was foundational, creating the walls and adding the support beams that would keep me strong and sturdy for everything that came and will continue to come next. Grief is a strange and incredible beast. Like healing, it comes in waves. None of this is linear, and I can't stress this enough. Whatever you're going through, be it a move, a breakup, some monumental life change, you're allowed to feel conflicted, and you're allowed to move backwards and all over that damn emotional chessboard and be sad about something you thought had ended or something you thought you would have been over by now. Hell, you're allowed to be sad even if you don't know why you're sad. If things are coming up, they're there for a reason. Allow yourself to process those feelings. And don't judge yourself too hard for it. As I was sitting there in that chair, I paused the show I was watching and checked my DMs on Instagram to find a reply from a friend of mine, just acknowledging how much I had been struggling with the whole process, doing everything on my own, with the letting go, the stress of packing and moving, the ups and downs of the buying and selling process, the physical and mental exhaustion, and how at times I felt alone, even though I wasn't. So many friends were supportive and helpful in that process. But in those late night moments when it's just you in an empty house, once again crying into a pint of ice cream, it feels like you're on your own. But this is where words are so healing and helpful. I told her I was struggling, and I told her it had been a rough couple of months, and I was ready to just not be sad anymore. And she acknowledged that, without trying to make the hurt go away or offer any kind of advice. She just listened and acknowledged me in that moment. And I felt very seen and held by her encouragement and support. And I started thinking about the night before when my boyfriend had helped me finish packing and we were sitting in that same chair at the end of the night. And I put my head on his chest and thanked him for helping me pack the last of my things and how much it meant to me and thanked him for all of it, but really just for him being him. And he said he appreciated me and that he was happy to help. And I cried again. And in the moment, I connected the pieces with why I was crying when people were so kind to me. And it was because I felt supported. I felt held and acknowledged. Support is incredibly important, especially to me. I'm fiercely loyal to those I love and those I let in my inner circle. I give 110% when it comes to my relationships these days. And when someone needs my help, I'm the kind of person that will show up in the middle of the night if you needed me to. So to see that reflected back to me after years and years of feeling so alone in my struggles, in my pain, feeling invisible, that level of kindness, support, and acknowledgement, especially after learning to first and foremost be that person to myself, felt so, well, moving to me. Excuse the pun. Or don't. I love puns. But also this. Don't be scared to ask for help when you need it. I often still am hesitant of this because we are a culture that kind of has been conditioned to just push through shit on our own and almost glorifies doing it solely by ourselves as something to strive towards. But somehow asking for help means something unfavorable about us. But that's what being strong is sometimes, knowing when you need help and asking for it. You're not a machine, and there will be times when you need help to move the mountain. I'm so grateful for everyone that's played some part in this journey for me from procuring the boxes I needed, to helping pack, to just emotionally holding my hand or replying to a story or DM and saying, hey, I see you, you're doing great, keep going. Knowing that you are supported, that there are people out there that love you and want to see you succeed and move through whatever hard moment you're going through. It's this whole quote, you are not alone theme that's permeated not only my life, but so many others. And it's a huge why for me. That evening, I finished the piece I opened this episode with. It was a love letter to myself, the old one that saw me through everything, the person I was before who I am now. Her strength made me who I am today, and that deserved more than tears. I immortalize everything in words, but that piece, while I wrote it a week before the final evening, I knew it wasn't finished. It couldn't be fully expressed and written until that last night, alone in my living room to really allow that part of the metamorphosis to come to its inevitable close. I wrote it as a thank you, a letting go, a preservation of those beautiful but sometimes painful memories, and an energetic release of the negativity that was no longer serving me. This is why I love journaling and writing. It's alchemy. Letting go will look different for everyone, and the things we do to process emotions vary wildly from situation to situation, but writing is its own kind of magic. Feelings turn to thoughts, which turn to sentences, which makes it physical. You're taking a feeling, an experience, and making it tangible. And by attaching intention to it, wow, talk about magic. I love ritual and using crystals, incense, and lighting shit on fire as much as the next person. But if you really want to see things shift and change, just write it down and then speak it out loud. Make your thoughts known and see what happens. Try it. The next time you're feeling heavy or anxious or grief stricken, just get out a pen and paper or your phone and start jotting down notes. Start journaling without thinking about it. It doesn't even have to mean anything. Just give yourself the gift of freely brain dumping whatever it is that's stuck up there that's bothering you. No one will read it unless you want them to, unless you want to share it, which is also incredibly, massively, monumentally cathartic. Having someone on the receiving end of your thoughts intentionally listening. Or, you know, save it for your therapist. I do both. So so the next day, the moving company was late. So I sat on my kitchen counter, which is something I do called countertops. If you follow me on Instagram, I sit on my countertop and basically talk about nothing and nonsense. So I was sitting on my k- kitchen countertop in this house for the last time and I waited. Eventually, the movers showed up and it took about three hours for them to move everything out. I missed the final walkthrough of my new place. But my realtor went for me and found out the bay window was broken and had a pretty significant crack to which the seller was going to have fixed. This was a sign of things to come. So hold on. It gets worse. But true to form, things sometimes get worse before they get better. Gotta love duality, right? So I closed on my old house, then immediately closed on my new house, then headed to the property for the unloading of the truck. I was already exhausted from packing powered through that day and spent majority of the time the movers were there just unpacking my kitchen i have no idea with as much as i purged and donated how i still had so much kitchen stuff but anyway after the movers left i think i floated through the evening in a daze overwhelmed and overstimulated by the sheer amount of clutter and boxes that were now everywhere like my entire house was a game of tetris that first night in the new place felt strange but i was so exhausted i eventually fell asleep Then the real fun began the next day. And fun is in air quotes here. I woke up the next day to a small leak under my kitchen sink and a strange smell in my garage. If you've ever taken chemistry lab, it smelled like that. That natural gas kind of smell. So I thought it was a gas leak and called the gas company. They came out to inspect and acknowledged it was a weird smell, but didn't find any evidence of a leak. However, they did find a pretty significant hole in my heating vent that I guess the home inspector missed. So I called a company to come fix that. And after they fixed it, I left for an appointment. When I came back an hour later, I went down to the finished basement to look for something in a box and heard this weird rushing sound, like running water. I opened the garage to find that my water heater was now flooding my garage and there was about two inches or so of water at the back pooling and spreading towards the front and water just gushing out of the hose from the water heater come to find later that the pressure had built up significantly enough to cause that to happen so I was freaking out not knowing what to do I am not handy at all and I didn't even know where the water shutoff valve was having literally just moved in not even 24 hours ago so I called the company back and they told me what to do to help stop the flow until they could get there the tank had to empty so until they arrived My boyfriend and I had to babysit this water heater and scoop buckets of water out into the side yard until the heating guys came back two hours later. In between emptying buckets, I was having a full-on mental breakdown about all of it. The growing list of new things I needed to deal with, the boxes I still had to unpack, the rooms I still had to paint, the sheer exhaustion and stress I was under to have things somewhat ready for my daughter in two days, and I was just physically and emotionally spent in every sense of the word. It seemed to be one thing after another with the broken window, the leak, the gas smell, the heating vent hole, and now a flooding garage. I didn't want to do this anymore. I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted to rest. Like that garage, I was emotionally flooded. I was so done. I just wanted to go home. Eventually, the guys came and fixed the water heater and things settled down. Since my bedroom was covered in fresh wet paint from the little painting I was able to do before everything went to shit, I slept in my daughter's new bedroom that evening. As a highly sensitive person, that night in the new house was rough. That whole day had put me through the ringer. I felt like I had just been hazed into some strange home ownership club I wasn't sure I wanted to be a part of, and then stranded, left to my own devices to contemplate the entire process at 2.45 a.m. when all I wanted to do was sleep but my head was too busy making lists of all the things left to do. So we went ahead and analyzed all of it. Everything seemed off. The house smelled weird and sounded weird and felt weird. And I know that's totally normal, but for a highly sensitive person, it was tenfold. It felt like an Airbnb. In a sense, I felt kind of homeless. And with how the day went, my anxiety brain was worried about what else I was going to have to deal with. I had to go check the garage at 2 a.m. just to make sure it wasn't flooded again. I was so tired. It's like I wanted to go home to a physical one, but I didn't have one. I know it takes time. Change always takes time to integrate and get used to the newness, but it's a hard transition to make on your own. Hard to navigate 2 a.m. moments when you just want some deep form of comfort, but it's just you. I just wanted to curl up into someone else and be held in that moment, but. I think that was the lesson that, in and of itself, it's this continual process of building resilience, how we navigate our many, many challenges, how we can take the shit moments and find the silver lining. I see now the blessing in the disguise that, hey, at least I was home when my garage flooded and I stopped it before it made it into the basement where so many of my boxes and things were. That, hey, At least my boyfriend showed up when he did to help me scoop buckets of water into the grass and talk me down from the ledge. That, hey, at least the gas company found the hole in the heating vent that prompted me to call the heating company to fix it. Otherwise, who knows when that water tank might have burst or what other chain reactions it could have potentially caused. That, hey, while this process has strained and drained me, made me the definition of exhaustion, has unfolded the way it did, it also made me resilient. It made me confident that I can handle this. Even if I have to do it crying and kicking and screaming, I can do it. And you can too. You can do the hard things not only because you know you have to, but because you know you can handle it. That you are more than capable of swinging the bat at whatever curveballs life throws at you. Sometimes it feels like playing in total darkness, but if you have enough heart and compassion, you can make it through. This is Earth School after all, and we're here to learn. Something that helps me, not always in the searing heat of the moment, and especially not when I'm clouded by anxiety, but eventually, is that reframe. The reframing of the oh god why question. I don't ask why is this happening to me. I ask why is this happening for me. And then I dig until I can reach some new perspective. When we learn to spin the situation and take something positive away from an experience, no matter how bad it is, we're growing. That's why I have a question mark tattooed on my right wrist. Aside from the obvious of it representing my love of writing, it's a constant reminder to stay curious, to question. By questioning our situations, our feelings, our experiences, our thoughts, we are much more able to move through things and eventually we find an answer we didn't see before. No bad thing, be it a thought, a feeling, an event, lasts forever. It's all transitory and it can't rain forever. Not outside, not in your garage, not in your heart. The heaviness will always become light again. So in those dark, exhaustive, what the actual fuck moments, you just have to muddle your way through as best you can. I'm not graceful when it comes to handling stress, but wow, I am so much better than I used to be. That's for sure. And I love the part where you finally arrive on the other side of it and you look back and say, do I want to do that again? Fuck no, I don't. But you know what? I'm proud of myself for making it through. So I want you to know a few things here, a few takeaways from this experience I've had if you're planning to move. One, don't try to do it all yourself. Hire a realtor. Get on a first name basis with your mortgage loan officer. Solicit friends to start collecting boxes for the entire cave of wonders that is your personal belongings. Ask those same friends to give up an afternoon or an evening here and there to help you pack. Make your concerns and feelings known. And this goes not just for moving, but for life in general. If you're struggling and just need someone to talk to or someone to just show up and bring you tacos and tell you terrible dad jokes to take your mind off adulting for a little while, do that. Ask, inform, tell somebody. You're not alone. And you were never meant to be. Two, 10 out of 10 would not recommend buying and selling at the same time. If you can move in gradually and not have to paint around furniture and boxes, please do that. Painting and doing repairs in an empty house is way easier than when you've already moved in. But if you have to do it like I did out of necessity and closing dates and financing, prioritize what needs to be done first. Get painting and the big repairs out of the way first and try not to worry too much about the 6,000 boxes littering your house in every room, crevice, and corner. Consider all of your things arriving and physically being in your new space a success. Everything else is on your own time and there's no deadline anymore. You're done. You made it. You have passed go and collected, hopefully, way more than $200 after selling your old home. Three, when using moving companies, pack your most prized possessions in your own car and make notes on your phone about where important stuff is because you will forget and you will freak out when you can't remember where you put the router or the screws to the chair you disassembled. And pro tip, duct tape your TV remotes to the back of the TV. Unless you have like four of them, then maybe put them in a box with other TV-related things and clearly label it. Also, if you have four TVs, I suggest you get some more books. Four, expect the unexpected and plan for it. From surprise repairs and flooding garages to feeling strange and out of place on your first few nights, things will go wrong and feel very, very off. But remind yourself that all of it's temporary. Find the silver lining in all of it if you can. Rest when you can, and when you wake up the next morning, you'll feel better. If you're highly sensitive like me, I suggest packing a few comfort items in a safe and accessible place for that first night. For me, it was a Himalayan salt lamp with a comforting glow, a pillow that smelled like home, and a few special crystals that I always keep at my bedside. So whatever that looks like for you, set up those small or big things first that will help you transition and make the space feel more familiar to you. Five. If you're spiritual like me, be sure to cleanse the shit out of your house early on and make that a priority. Everything is energy, and whatever went down in that house before you got there is still going to be there when you move in, unless you do something to clear it. And that sounds way more ominous than it is. I'm not talking about ghosts or something, though I guess that's also entirely possible. But I just mean the vibe of the place. If the prior owners were constantly arguing and fighting and spreading bad vibes all over that place, the energy is still lingering, is still there. I saged my house the second day I was there, opening all the windows to let the bad vibes out and then I lit some palo santo to encourage positivity and joy. Be sure to set intentions for your house clearing as well and ask your guides and angels for help. Some people may think it's just a bunch of hocus pocus, but all I know is that those first two nights I felt uneasy, unsettled and honestly kind of depressed. After I cleansed my house, I could literally feel the shift in energy. I felt lighter and way more at ease. Six, have grace, compassion, and as much patience as possible for the physical moving process, for the internal emotional process, for everything. In the moment, it sucks. All of it sucks. The grieving, the letting go, the packing, the purging, the revisiting old painful memories. The spending exorbitant amounts of money on movers and repairmen and spare parts, the sleepless nights, the roller coaster of emotions, the not so pleasant surprises like waking up on day two to your dog having had diarrhea all over your new dining room as the worst housewarming gift ever and the cherry on top of an already terrible few days. It can be one thing after another, but that's life sometimes. Eventually, We call the plumber and the locksmith and set up the Wi-Fi. Eventually, we put the rooms together. Eventually, we unpack. Eventually, we settle. But in between the chaos, we have to catch what moments of peace and perspective we can. Eventually, we rest. Eventually, we reflect. Eventually, it will all be a funny story about that one time you bought a house. Until the very end. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support my one woman show, please subscribe and share it on social media or leave a rating and review. Reviews will help this pod to be found more easily, and that in turn helps this whole thing grow. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Mav Malone. Let's connect. My DMs are always open, and I'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on the latest events, books, and podcast episode releases, please head to my website, maverickmalone.com and sign up for my email newsletter. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.